Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I don't have the energy to do a fancy introduction or, or just any kind of introduction other than a very basic one. So I have Chris Snead joining me. He's on Skype today. He's down in Orlando. I'm up in Tallahassee. Uh, Thanksgiving has torn us apart, but FSU football will bring us back together. Hi, Chris. Hey, Sinone. How are you, buddy? Oh, amazing. In-laws coming in about two or three hours. Got to clean the house after this podcast. This is uh, I'm living the dream. I, am I saw my I saw my in-laws last night along with about eight million people at Disney. Oh, so you're you're in a real good place then, huh? <laughs> no, nah, it was fine. I uh, I got out of there before the fireworks. That's how you beat the crowd. Ah, you know where I used to live in Orlando? I could uh, just step outside and see the fireworks from Disney and Universal and SeaWorld, and they were all like uh, triangular from where I was. How's that for a little tidbit about me? Yeah, you should have charged a mission into your house. Ooh. All right, so no one cares about any of this stuff here. They want to know about FSU football. So, guys, we're going to have a, well, I think it's going to be a slightly clunkier than normal podcast, only because we are doing this on the Skype, and uh, God knows how the internet connection is going to be. Chris and I can't make the normal eye contact with each other to uh, to really get our great uh, rapport. So it's going to be a little different, but we do have a lot of stuff to go over. We want to talk about the Boston College uh, win for FSU, 22-21, and it wasn't pretty, but... Uh, a game where it wasn't fluky. I think FSU deserved to win that game. They probably should have won it by more than than a point. Um, so we got that. We have a lot of recruiting news we want to get to. Chris is going to do a rundown on that. We'll do a little bit of hoops talk as well, and then obviously we'll uh, we'll talk some big picture stuff with this upcoming week with Florida, extending the bowl streak possibly. Uh, anything else that I'm missing on the docket, Chris? Nah, it sounds like a plan. All right, well let's uh, let's get going here uh, for this episode of the Nolts Twenty Four Seven Podcast uh, with well. Boston College win initial or I guess final impressions on the game Chris that was a uh, one that you thought was going to be close and it and indeed was yeah I mean it lived up to the uh, Las Vegas billing if you would say um you know I was pleased for FSU they earned that one you know this year has been a year where they've put together so few consistent four-quarter efforts that to finally see one it was great to see now it's funny we're talking about a win and you know your 174 yard play away or one fourth down conversion away for BC from it being a loss. It's kind of the razor thin margin you're dealing with, with FSU football, Mm -hmm. but a win's a much better thing than a loss. And I thought the defense played a really good game. Dontavious Jackson should be commended for his effort. Uh, Brian Burns, really good. Deandre Francois, very up and down day, but made the big pass when he had to. And I thought Cam Akers had by far his best game. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The O-line actually showed up and did some things. They, uh, they competed against Zach Allen White Ray, really talented defensive ends. And they kept him kind of at bay. Zach Allen had some pressures, some impact. White Ray, Ray had far less of an impact. And, you know, for an O-line that's been much maligned and not very good, it, it was a good day. And it was very good by FSU to quickly pull the trigger and make a change when Juwan Williams went south. Because with him, when it goes bad, it usually stays bad. Yes, and they did a good job of quickly moving on, which is something they didn't always do earlier in the year. So so there's a lot that I want to talk about with the Boston College game, but I think going circling back to your point about the razor-thin margin and how we kind of perceive a win and a loss here, you know, if, if Tamari and Terry doesn't somehow get inexplicably covered one-on-one and DeAndre Francois doesn't deliver the throw to, to open space and they don't have that score and, you know, the Florida State can't find a way to win. Um, I think we talk about the game a little differently, but what I think is consistent and, and something I was thinking about as the game was going on is I was trying to think what, what to write. The team looked engaged. It 
looked yeah. energetic, uh, win or lose. Now, if you lose, you're going to talk about more about the deficiencies, the third down defense, uh, the inexplicable uh, reverse or double pass call or whatever it was inside the red zone. You start nitpicking a little bit differently. But I thought win or lose, and, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, Chris, is uh, the season is beyond winning or losing for the most part. I think we're looking more at the optics of how you get things done, how you accomplish results. Again, even if you know when they were struggling the past three weeks, it wasn't that they were losing those games; it was how they were losing them. And and that's yeah, very non-competitively for sure. And, and this team competed on Saturday against Boston College, and I think that's what's encouraging. Uh, the defense came to play, like you said. The offense was by far the uh, the most efficient it's been. Now it bogged down at times. And they weren't able to score touchdowns when they in the, and they had to settle for field goals instead, and and that is something you need to be better at. But they actually got into a rhythm sometimes. I remember you saying that they they actually look like an offense sometimes in this game against a good defense. And again, the defense was really physical and engaged. So th- there was a lot for me to, to say. Okay, you can see some actual visual evidence of improvement, and we couldn't have we couldn't we couldn't say that in the previous three games. Yeah, and I know something that really intrigued you that we spoke about quite a bit during the game itself was how basic they were defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was interesting to see FSU scale it back, and I know you've written about it since the game, but I think that's a good thing. When when things aren't going good and you're struggling, sometimes basic is the best. Don't get so ritzy and special. Figure out what you can do. Figure out what you can't do. Stick to what you can do, and see if it works out in the end. And that's one of the critiques that you and I both had of Willie Taggart during the season was a lack of direction. And I don't want to say you, you know, everything is figured out after one game because it is only one game. You have to see if you can sustain that, that the same intensity and, and mindset on both sides of the ball uh, this upcoming week against, against Florida. But what I liked was that he had an idea of, okay, we want to simplify our scheme on offense and defense. We want to get I don't want to say back to the basics because they hadn't done a whole lot of things very well recently, but they, they want to put a, put a game plan together that was easily digestible for its both offensive and defensive <laughs> players and allowed them to just go ahead and execute and play football. And that's something that Willie talked about in December during his initial press conference. The, the bad, war, you know, war daddies and badasses and the lethal simplicity, those quotes that people loved and, and said, okay, this sounds like, like something that we could all buy into they had gone away from that and Willie had kind of lost direction of, of what he wanted. And I think he's admitted to as much. And, and he said that's something that the coaches and the players had to do a better job of getting back on track on that starts with him. Uh, he, he kind of required that both offensive and defensive coordinators be more simple against Boston college. And uh, granted Boston college allows you to do that uh, with, with what they did. And they're not going to be very fancy, but FSU out Boston college, Boston college for the most part. And I think that's really, really, really encouraging moving forward. Yeah, defensive game plan was simple. Fly to the ball, be physical, make contact, sustain contact, end plays on first contact, especially when it came to A.J. Dillon. I thought they were phenomenal against A.J. Dillon. I thought Stanford Samuels was really good in that cornerback spot. It's clear as day that his value is great as that corner. Mm-hmm. Now, are they good at safety? No, they still got <laughs> issues at safety. They were still third down and long situations where they got picked on because they do have issues in the secondary with that stuff. But you're going to have to take your lumps. you got to be good at something, so figure out what you can be best at. No, I agree. There, there was a, again, there was a clarifying kind of crystallizing moment, I think, in that game. Like, let, let's play our best players. 
let's do what we do well, and then we'll figure everything else out. They didn't put in their third down package, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember them putting in their third down package at all. Um, yeah, I don't remember ever seeing Delta out there. I mean, they, they did have some interesting third down packages. There was a third and I want to say it was like 18 where they ran somewhat of an umbrella look up top. Those guys dropped and then the ball was completed just beyond the line the line needed. They shouldn't have dropped. I mean, that's just basic football. Yeah, if you're going to play, and, uh, if you're going to guard the sticks, don't go beyond the sticks. That yeah. doesn't make a lot and, of sense. And in the moment, I blamed Harlan Barnett, but after rewatching it and having some conversations, that's not Barnett. That's that's a fine example of players need to execute what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. They need to have a fundamental knowledge of what they're supposed to do there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of been the tug of war all season. Is trying to figure out okay, what's on scheme, what's on you know day to day coaching, what's on just players not being developed very well for years leading up to this year, not having great awareness. Uh, but again, I think it's so easy to excuse at least right now with what the expectations are. You you can excuse those lapses and, and those issues if you see the team trying hard, and that's what that defense yep. did. Um, Dontavis Jackson is turning into a leader and someone that you can kind of you can rely on. Brian Burns, we know what he is. Uh, the fact that he's you know, probably a game away, a game or two away from from being a multimillionaire, uh, and he's still playing as hard as he is. I think that's really cool. I enjoyed seeing Emmett Rice out there. I, I thought that he looked like the linebacker that you need. I thought him and, and D-Jack together was a really nice combination. If he's healthy, that's great. Dennis Briggs, Asante Samuel, those are some true freshmen who, who are playing well. Like, there's a lot of positives. Robert Cooper's another one. I don't want to forget Marvin Wilson as a sophomore. He's awesome. There's a lot of building blocks on that defense. Again, Boston College isn't really fancy. You know what you're going to get against them. Uh, in an FSU out physical Boston College on defense for the majority of that game. If they don't have those third down lapses, uh, I think they gave up uh, four third downs that were third and eight or more, third and nine or more, and they were four of six there. If you don't give those up, Boston College scored all three of their touchdowns on drives where they converted on third and long. If you stop those, like Boston College gets dominated. Um, and I thought that's what it looked like. The defense was, was something close to a, a dominant performance aside from a few lapses. Uh, that's yeah, really they, cool to see. They, they forced BC in the 19 third downs, which says something about what they did on first and second, that they were consistently good mm-hmm. at not allowing big yardage to happen early in downs, um, which has been an issue at times this year. And then offensively, there, there were good things. Keyshawn Helton, love seeing him starting. Great yeah, out really well, was, played a hell of a game. awesome to watch him run the way he did. That was so cool, man. It was, that was, that, to me, that spoke volumes about – not just not just the what he can be, but the evaluation of the staff, their ability to find a gem, uncover him, uh, something that you've written about before of how they kind of discovered Keyshawn Helton in the Pensacola area, uh, and then finally show the the trust to put him out there in the field and, and feature him and, and design plays for him. He 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 probably had about you know, I think it was like sixty five yards, and, and half of his yards probably came after contact. Like he was he was physical, he was fast. Um, that's a glimmer of hope for what this team can develop into with its evaluation, with what it values on offense, with skilled, skilled players that are playmakers and, and multifaceted. Like, to me, that was maybe the biggest bright spot on offense, even though his numbers were not as big as some other guys. Yeah, and you always talk about setting a tone, and Keyshawn did that. His first reception, he fights through a couple. I think he breaks three, four tackles on that one, mm-hmm. extends that play, turns it in twice as much yardage as it was designed for upon catching the ball. 
you know, just you want guys to do that. You you want the extra effort. You want the guys who put it on the line. And that's something that FSU has had a lot of struggles with this year, with finding guys that are consistently willing to do that. And when you find some young blood that's willing to do that, it sets the tone for what your future is going to be. So there were definitely glimmers of hope. They put themselves in a position to compete for a ball. All the chips on the table are being pushed in. You play UF this week. It's your rival. It's at home. You're five and six. You need it to extend multiple major streaks. I'm very, very interested transitioning from BC to Florida mm-hmm. this coming week. How is FSU going to handle this moment? Plus a built-in factor of it's a holiday week with Thanksgiving and that. So that's an added distraction. So I'm very interested to see how FSU handles it going into a game with a team who's going to try to scheme around them and out-scheme them in some ways. Dan Mullen's done a really nice job, I think, with, with Florida this year and some of the deficiencies they have, especially on offense. He's, he's Especially really at quarterback. Yep, yep. They've uh, they've played around. Uh, you know, uh, Felipe Franks, who has a lot of talent but isn't particularly – He's just not a great quarterback. I, mean, I don't know how it's yeah. to phrase it. He just he's got a big arm. He can move yeah, a little special bit. Special arm, special arm. But the uh, the play in play out that you want from your quarterback, he's not quite that guy, and he struggles with pressure. Yep, he does. So you got to get pressure on him. Uh, but he could push the ball downfield, and that certainly has been a weakness for Florida State is is defending big plays, especially with its safeties. So uh, that's something I, I'm going to be curious to see. But but beyond just the X's and O's of this game, uh, which we'll get into throughout the week here. It's going to be interesting, like you said, Chris, to kind of see the what kind of Florida State team comes out at noon on Saturday. Uh, is this one that's going to be really energetic like it was against Boston College? Is it one that's going to respond well to adversity uh, like it did against Boston College? There is a ton on the line. It's it's weird. Is, is this? I mean, I've covered the team since 2013. And this may be the most intriguing Florida State-Florida game I've, I've covered just because of the direct implication of that bowl streak there. Like, these two teams haven't simultaneously played for something really important, it feels like, since maybe, what, 20, 2012 being kind of intriguing? Um, I mean, they've each had something on the line themselves, respectively, in some matchups. For example, FSU would trying to play for Natty back in 13 yeah. and stuff like that. But as far as both of them kind of having something they're competing for, yeah, this is probably – the most on the table and for Willie Taggart it might be arguably the most important game of his coaching career to this point I mean he's had others such as at USF when he was on the verge of losing his job and everything changed that was what the Syracuse game yeah we got an argument with Tim Linnefelt at a at Ale House after after the game where I did because I like to argue with people about what the most important game was in Willie's career and he said uh, this one coming up is really important uh, I thought yeah. the one, I thought the one I thought the one where his career was literally on the line against uh, against Syracuse when he was at USF in 2015 was probably a little bit more important because if he doesn't win that one he didn't, he's not here but I digress. I'm not I'm not going to pick sides between two friends but uh, Saturday's pretty important it's important for recruiting because you're going to have a lot of guys in the stadium it's important for recruiting for after the season it's important for just trying to put a good taste in fans mouths for the last regular season game you beat you beat UF with FSU fans you you get some uh, slack they're willing to accept some shortcomings and some disappointments they may not like the things they saw those first 11 weeks but if you do things right that 12th week they usually forgive and forget some things um, I just think it's important for him as a whole to go in the offseason with some momentum and a ball game you know I, I think the ball streak's important I think former players certainly think it's important 
Um, you know, I'm not one of these people that dismiss and say that there's no value to it and that they need to get, you know, quote unquote, lose their blood out of the program. Hmm. Having 15 more practices with a lot of young guys trying to find yourself and building more team unity, it's important. Bowl practice is like an extra spring season. It is important, plain and simple. Yeah, I've um, kind of changed so, my tune on that from where I was a couple of weeks ago. Mainly because good, because you, you got called out for it, buddy. I, I did, and someone got banned because of it, too. Yeah, you should have banned yourself. I mean, you can't swear at me. Don't swear at me. Just don't do it, folks. I don't swear at you, usually. Um, no, I mean, well, a couple of weeks ago, they were uh, they were losing by a lot. And, yeah, I was kind of a proponent of, uh, you know, if you move on, you move on. And you start kind of figuring out making staff changes and, and reevaluating your recruiting board. But, yeah, now you go ahead and you beat BC the way you do. Um Maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but you you have a little bit of juice going for you. And I think you can see how much this game means with all the recruits that are going to be here. Uh, this isn't just about being able to go to a bowl game and getting those practices. I think beating Florida and, and what it means is, is damn important. I think the staff, if they can sell people on winning their final two games of the regular season, both ranked opponents, one of those being an in-state foe, I think that gives you some juice to be able to start selling to, to those blue-chip guys that you've been kind of on the – on the fence with that, that maybe have been interested, but haven't, you know, been reluctant to buy in because on field product hasn't been great. This, this kind of, if you go ahead and you beat Florida and, and you look good doing it, that ability to sell a turnaround and, and being part of something moving in the right direction, I think becomes immensely easier. Yeah. Plus just from the Willie versus Dan standpoint, you both stepped up to the starting line at the same time. Both teams that you took over had similar issues, some different, some the same. Mm -hmm. The hurdles may have been a little different, but the distance you were trying to run was pretty similar. So, you know, you kind of want to cross the finish line before he does. Even though their record at the end of the day will be better if FSU was to win, you still got that feather in your cap if you beat UF head-to-head. Do you know the last time Florida State lost to Florida, Miami, and Clemson all in one year was? Uh, it's been a hell of a long time. I know that much. <laughs> 2009. 2009 was the last time. We were talking about almost okay. a decade. Um, I'm surprised it's actually only that long, but that does make sense. That year was so dreadful. That was a Greg Reed saving him at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Um, Maryland game to make yep. bowl eligibility. To make the bowl so eligibility. So yep. Are you excited the about The more things those? change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> Are you excited about uh, El Paso? Going, going Hell no. Okay, that's why no. I'm having. I'm having to do that this year, right? Because you took the you 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 dove on the that one last year, Shreveport. Yeah. I mean, I let's be honest. You really think it'd be the Sun Bowl? I think there's a better chance of it being the Angry Mowers Bowl, Gasparilla Bowl, or uh, Detroit. Some pizza up there in a quick lane change, whatever it's called, bowl. I'm. Uh, I subscribe to the theory of, of worst case scenario. So worst case scenario of going to El Paso on New Year's would probably be it. As long as, you know, as long as we have Christmas open and I can spend time with family, that's all that matters. I have to be honest. After about 12 bowl games, like the top 12 bowl games, I literally don't know the actual name of any other bowl <laughs> well, games. They, they do change like every two or I just years. don't pay much mind to it. Like I didn't know what walk-ons was before last year. I like in so. the, well, yeah, no one did. I like the, uh, in FSU's indoor practice facility, they have all the bowl games they've won, and there's a Blockbuster Bowl. <laughs> hey, do not talk bad about Blockbuster. Many great childhood memories. Uh, Renting movies and video games. Yeah. It, it was a place, man. Uh, it was awesome, and you got to like look at the back of the cover. You were judging movies off covers. Like, you didn't have like an IMDb to, to, to decide, like, oh, is this a good movie or not? No, it was based solely on the cover, whether it was any good. And that's when yeah. I think they went downhill. It wasn't, you know, Redbox or... 
or Netflix or anything like that. It was when they got rid of the covers, and and I think that's when uh, the beginning of the end for for Blockbuster. I don't know. I think the internet killed a video store. <laughs> so. Internet killed the video. All right. So before we go on to recruiting, which is kind of what we were segmenting into, but that's eh, too easy. Real quick, I just want to give props to DeAndre Francois and Nyquan Murray guys that we've been critical of. They made big plays when they had to in in the second half. There, DeAndre was horrid in the first half against Boston College. But, uh, but he used his legs a little bit in the second half there, and I think that opened up some things for them. Uh, Nyquan Murray had just a miraculous catch, and then obviously uh, DeAndre delivers a bomb to, to Tamari and Terry. So you know, credit to those guys. I think it's fair for if we're going to be critical of, of their yep. performance or anything like that. I, I, I want to be positive, too, when they do good things, and, and both came up with some big moments. Uh, Nyquan's catch, I still don't understand how he managed to hold on to it with that one hand. Yeah, that was a heck of a grab. The photo they got of that catch is also phenomenal. He, he has a knack for uh, doing something special when needed. It's, it's funny. I wish that intensity and focus can be applied all the time. I mean, there was a couple of examples where he just didn't try to block, and I think that's frustrating. You saw that against BC, but he made a big one down the seam when they had to on third down. So, uh, Anyways, all right, so let's go to recruiting now, Chris. Uh, we have a bunch of content up right now. We're in the middle of of a, a BOGO sale, buy one month, get one month free. I think it's a pretty good deal given that we're entering the, the meat of you know early signing period. So check out Knowles 24-7 for that deal. I think that lasts through, what, the end of today, Tuesday, or is it going to Wednesday? I don't know. I probably should have looked that up beforehand. That That's Newberg's baby, man. <laughs> it is. It is. But a lot of people have, have signed up. So for those of you who have, thank you. If, if you're on the fence, this is a good time to do it. Go ahead, buy it as a Christmas gift to yourself or for someone else. Uh, if not, you know, we'll give you a taste of uh, of some scoop right now, but only the taste, like like drug dealers, right? Like the first the first hit is free. Go sell them some smack knee. Well, recruiting's I've got one month left before your early signing period, so you basically have this weekend to bring kids in for games, or you have the December first, December eighth, December fifteenth weekends. Those are your visit weekends that you have between now and the end of this process. So this weekend, FSU is bringing in Sam Howell for his official. Very important. They need to shut the door on UNC, put that one to bed, make sure he's locked up. Do I think there's a chance he flips? Yeah, very minimal one, but I don't think it's very likely. I think as long as Walt Bell is at FSU and this weekend goes well, Sam Howell is done to FSU, which will be a good thing. Recruiting around a quarterback for your offense is a much easier task than trying to recruit offensive talent without a quarterback. Then you have other guys coming in this weekend. Malcolm Ray is going to try to make it up from South Florida. He had hoped to come last weekend, but it didn't work out. You know they lost on Friday night. You know who has some crystal ball to Florida State? I'm sure you do, mister. I jump very quickly on the crystal ball. And it means nothing to me. But uh, Ray's essentially, the back, to put it nicely, the backup plan to Tyler Davis. But he's a talented dude that staff likes, that really likes their evaluation of him. And most people that I trust in South Florida, Larry Bluesteins of the world, Charles Fishvine, people that I know watch a lot of South Florida kids, they all swear by Malcolm Ray. So I don't get hung up on the three-star or the measurements. All those things don't matter. The kid can play football on Friday night. People believe it will translate to Saturdays. Blue, so Blue was comparing to him to uh, to Aaron Donald, right? I don't know so. about Aaron Donald because, uh, you know, he's kind of pretty good at that whole pro football thing. He's like the so Aaron Donald of Miami high school football. I, I just don't want to go off his space and, you know, play some jumping to conclusions. Here. <laughs> it's a jump to conclusions, Matt. You jump to conclusions. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. But is he talented? Can he help? Can be an asset on the uh, roster? Yes, I definitely think so. Uh, some important commitments are due back in. Kalen DeLoach, Nick Cross, uh, Travis J, but he's very, very solid. Um, 
Quayshawn Fuller is supposed to be back. Curtis Fan, who Auburn's trying to mess with. So those guys are coming in. All important things for FSU. Then they're going to get plenty of 2020 and 2021 talent in there. A uh, kid like Xavier McGriff, wide receiver in 2020's class, they just offered Leonard Manuel, a kid that is a superstar talent in 2020 class that they've kind of slid with. He's expected in. He's an important one. And then you can set the base with 2021 kids. A guy like Bryce Langston's expected in. Bryce is a really special defensive lineman. He's good friends with Manuel, in fact. And there's some other kids from the Ocala area that he's real tight with. It's important to get all those guys in. So in general, this weekend's important. And then you look ahead. The weekend of December 14th looks like it's going to be the heavy commitment visit weekend. I'm sure they're going to sprinkle in some unofficial, or I'm sorry, non-committed official visitors as well. Um, Juco DN, Sam, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on Sam's name, the old Miss commitment who was supposed to come in last weekend. He, Sam Williams, he, uh, he has told me that he's rescheduled for that weekend. Uh, the offensive lineman that FSU offered here recently from the Midwest, who Michigan and Ohio State has jumped on, um, he's supposed to come in that weekend. His name is Dewan Jones. There's plenty of other kids that are expecting in that December 14th weekend, and then they're sprinkling, sprinkling in some in the middle two weekends. Marcus Banks is next weekend, for example. Uh, a guy like Brendan Gant can't come into December 4th week, 14th weekend, so we might see that commitment come in a different weekend. And the good thing when you get commitments on campus is that they can a lot of times act as you know secondary recruiters. They're, they're going to reinforce what the coaching staff or the current players are saying. So that's always important to have for a guy to be in somebody's ear. For example, Sam Howell's done a really good job with that when he's visited with guys like George Pickens. So that's always an important thing. They're setting themselves up to try to close. It's tough. They're in a precarious situation. They're a five and six football team that obviously has some major weaknesses when it comes to recruiting. Sometimes a major weakness is actually a good thing because kids can look at it and see, oh, I can go in there and do something early and contribute. They need a guy like me. But at, on the flip side of that, some guys go, well, I can go to Alabama or Clemson who's winning 13, 14, or 15 games in a given year, and you know I'm still going to get a chance to play. So it's a battle. You go back and forth. You know, For every guy like a Tyler Davis that you lose, you're fighting for a guy like William Putnam. you got to win more than you lose. FSU's doing everything in their power, making an extreme amount of effort to try to close well on recruiting. With the offensive line, they're going to keep evaluating guys, keep trying to bring guys in. They're looking at JUCOs. They're looking at high school. We've you know, had some chatter on the message board about Josh Ball. That's in play. But there's some hoops jump through there for him to come back into the program. So it's going to be interesting. And then linebackers, a spot where at this point it hasn't really evolved into the next what's coming. They've missed out on a guy like N'Kobe Dean. A guy like Derek Hall showed up last weekend, but they need more than just that. So you might see some new names emerge there, but it hasn't quite happened. It's not moving as fast as a position as like the offensive line. And then the the last thing about recruiting is you got to keep who you have, and they're trying that. Nick Cross, you're dealing with Georgia. Charles Cross, you're dealing with Mississippi State. Curtis Fan, you're dealing with Auburn. Kalen Deloach, you're still you're dealing with. Auburn and Michigan. Uh, there's other examples. So you're fighting those battles, trying to keep the guys that you've already invested all of this work and all of this time into that you want to be part of your program. And that will be a big part of the next few weeks. It's going to be keeping those kids from visiting those other campuses, making sure those kids make it back onto your campus and just doing what you have to do. And when the contact period opens up here in a week, they're going to get out and see a heck of a lot of kids. So yeah, it's a, a busy time around the website right now, and, and again, if you're not a VIP member, uh, sign up now. There's, again, a good deal. You basically get to see 
uh, what we do for the next two months at half price. Uh, so yeah, do, do that. Do you think they're going to notice that I interrupted you twice in this podcast, Chris? Like, you think people are counting score at home, doing little tallies? No, they're probably proud of you, except for MBD FSU. He still hates you. I think Josh Banton. Um, all right, transitioning to basketball. I'm looking at three basketball cards right now that I have up on my desk. One's Trace McGrady. The other one's Mike Miller. The third one, Penny Hardway. Penny may have uh, Penny may have bested Florida State today. Yeah, Penny got James Wiseman, but that's a long-term relationship that you're dealing with there. Those two have known each other a very, very long time. Uh, James has played for Penny in the past, so he's just going to play for him again. FSU made a heck of an effort with James Wiseman. Everybody dismissed him, always said it was just Kentucky and Memphis. Nah, FSU was in that thing till the end. They, they weren't going to get him. They never were in that position to get him, but they made him at least consider FSU. Beyond just the official, he really liked the staff. Mom, who's a big decision maker in the group, really liked the staff. They did a hell of a job. In a different life, with different circumstances, you know, they did everything you want your staff to do to try to land a kid. And the thing is, they didn't sell all out on it just being him. They've put themselves in a position to sign a very good class. They've signed four of their commitments here now after adding Naheem McLeod last evening, a seven-foot-three kid that Leonard really likes. Leonard loves his big seven-footers. Kid's a bit of a project, but he's a talented project with major upside. Then you got Balsa Kopervica, not a seven-foot-plus kid. Patrick Williams, an excellent wing. Nate Jacks, a three-point specialist. We're going to see what comes after that in the class. Anthony Edwards, who was a top-three player in next year's class, reclassified. He's now considered the number one player in this year's class moving ahead of Wiseman. He's a kid that FSU's positioned themselves very, very well for. He's an elite-level scoring guard. He's a kid that gets buckets, can fill it up, can do it in a lot of different ways. FSU has put in a ton of work with Anthony Edwards. They expected the possibility of reclassification to happen. They've positioned themselves well, regardless of if he was a 19 or a 20 kid. I expect him to take an official to FSU, and they're going to be right in the thick of it when he decides in the spring. Um, and they're battling the Blue Bloods, UNC, Kentucky, several others are in there. Those are two of the major ones I know he's going to consider. I know he talks about Duke some, but I don't think that's going to be in play for this year because of the guys they've already signed. But you never know with Duke because they have so much roster turnover. And then just the on-field or on-field, on-court on field. Come on. Yeah, I mean, you see how much Come, basketball You call I cover? yourself a journalist. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a sports writer, but I, the only sport I really write about is football. But you, sir, cover basketball, and apparently it's a pretty fun product right now. They are. They're a good group. They're 3-0, and went on the road to Tulane, got tested, had Kinesis in the house last night, and they, uh, you know, they struggled a bit with him. But Kinesis is kind of a – team that will be a pain in the backside might make the NCAA tournament by winning their conference. So they're not some pushover that just is completely dismissed. And they did put them away in the end, which was nice to see. They now head to Orlando. They're coming down my way in the coming days. They're going to play in the Avocare Invitational, which is at Wide World of Sports at uh, ESPN in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Buena Vista. And Buena Vista. They open with UAB on Thanksgiving evening, probably around 10 p.m. when you're waking up from your nap. They may play, uh, you know, they could potentially see LSU, Memphis, Villanova, Oklahoma State are all in this tournament. So it will be interesting to see how they come out of this tournament. I think they got a good chance of playing for the championship, if not walking away with the trophy. They've won this tournament before when it was known as the Old Spice Classic. 
Um, I believe that was Chris Singleton's team that won down here, beating Marquette to win it that year. And then they'll immediately come out as tournament, return home, and play Purdue, who's currently ranked, I believe, number 24 in the AP Top 25. Purdue has arguably the best returning kid in college basketball. Uh, They're two-guard. He'll match up with Terrence Mann. He's really fun to watch. Carson Edwards is his name. Real fun player. That's a hell of a matchup. That's going to be a really enjoyable game. Purdue is 4-1 and one on the early season. Really talented Big Ten team. That's one of the better non-conference home games FSU has had in a long, long time. I'm hoping to see the tuck packed out for that thing. I think it will be a real fun time. It's a good schedule this year. We're going to know what FSU is made of before the ACC schedule rolls around. And then around that time, you'll get Phil Kofer back. He's still recovering from the foot injury. He's expected, hopefully, to be back December, maybe January. It's kind of the time frame they're working with currently. And then you got a lot of pieces that are currently doing really well. P.J. Savoy started to get real hot. He struggled last night. But other guys like M. Fiondu, Kabengale, he picked up the slack, scored a career high last night. The nice thing about this team, it doesn't take – you know, like if Terrence Mann has an off night, they're not going to lose. Mm-hmm. It's just not a foregone conclusion. They have eight to 11 guys that they trust that they can run out there. And on any given night, if they get a good effort from four to five of them, they're going to have a shot to win. It's a really nice, complete team with a good rotation. And I feel like Hamilton and his staff had a, have an excellent pulse of the group and that the group themselves themselves manage each other very very well you got excellent leadership terrence mann's a great captain a guy like trent Forrest is just a fantastic basketball player that's great in the team dynamic you got some grit with a guy like david nichols you got some young juice with a guy like devin vassal they're just a really really fun bunch it, i enjoy hoops i like when fsu basketball is good i've always been that way since i was a kid i've always enjoyed fsu hoops even when they were dreadful i enjoyed them this year's group is one of the best teams I've seen since those early 90 groups that Pat Kennedy had. Find yourself someone who loves you like Chris Nee loves FSU basketball. <laughs> I, hey, I enjoy it, man. I, I think the couple days away from me has done you a lot of good. You sound just happy. Your voice seems more upbeat. I don't have the video of you right now, but I'm sure you look happier, too, based on how your voice sounds. I don't think your arms are folded right now is what I'm saying. No, I'm not, I'm not in a bad place. No, you're in a good place is what I'm saying. It's because you're not with me. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you're you're an energy vampire. I am. I'm a succubus. Um, Thanksgiving. What uh, what are you drinking on Thanksgiving, or are you drinking at all on Thanksgiving? I'm a big fan of Martinelli's clear apple cider. Is that is that with? It's not alcoholic. It's uh, I, the kids can drink it right beside me. <laughs> I just I don't like that cloudy apple cider. I can't do it. I can't um, bring cup to mouth. But if it's clear apple cider, almost looks like apple juice. I love it, and that Martinelli's clear apple cider, I'm all about that life. For whatever reason, you probably can get it all year, but I literally only drink it around Thanksgiving. Shocking that you love something that's probably really, really, really high in sugar. Well, look at me. I'm the bastion of health. Shocking. All right. All right. This was a good podcast, I think. We hit on a lot of different things. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest or uh, or talk about before we uh, we sign off here? Nah. I mean, hopefully Saturday goes well. Um, I'm interested to see the crowd. I know UF returned a lot of tickets, but I think that's because they could buy them cheaper on the secondary market, especially when things were going real bad. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the crowd on Saturday wasn't very good for BC, but the crowd was way into it. Mm -hmm. It was like those old NIT games where the people that actually wanted to be there were there, so they were into it. So I'm interested to see if Saturday that kind of carries on because it's some good old-fashioned hate when it's FSU versus Florida. 
Good old-fashioned hate. All right, guys, we're going to leave it on that note, all right? So thanks uh, thanks to Chris for taking some time out of the little uh, mini vacation for joining me. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. It was really cool that, you know, some people actually wanted us to do a podcast. We didn't do it on Monday, and, and like three whole people were like, where's the podcast? Here it is. All right, safe travels for those of you who are traveling. Uh, happy drinking and eating on Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll recap uh, the Florida game and maybe the season. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, next time we talk to you, which will be Monday. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Chris, thanks. Five-star reviews. Stick in the landing.